Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. Joining me is my co-host, John Duke. We're a day late, but not a dollar short. Going to air on Tuesday morning this week. And, John, I'm happy, very pleased to announce that uh, I know last week we talked about the fact that I was going to do a post-game show on CLNS Radio for the very first postseason game. Of course, then I get into my League Pass account and everything else, and I can't even watch the game. Very happy to see, well, I've had, I think, two or three updates on the NBA app just since we last spoke uh, a little over a week ago. But now it looks like I'm going to be able to watch the game on League Pass against the Nets. So this time when I do the post-game show, I'll have actually seen the game. <laughs> Well, look, that's what can you what can you say about that? This is the way that the league does this whole league pass situation. It's it's a complete joke. If you have league pass, you should be able to watch every NBA TV game. There's I mean, there's so many different issues with the way that league pass is is set up. It's it's foolish, you know. And so the one thing I will I concede to is the blackout for a local market game because all of these games are owned by Comcast Sportsnet, right? It's the local Comcast provider across the league. And now, do I love it? No. But Comcast is a cable TV provider. So if they want to get the rights to the game and then tell me I can't watch it because I'm in the Philadelphia market, or actually they I kind of get double whammied because right, I'm close enough to... Washington that I get blacked out for all the Wizards games and I also get blacked out for all the 76ers games. I feel like I should only fall into one market, not two markets, but you know, let that idiosyncrasy fall aside. I I get why comp look, you want to watch these games, you know, then league passes for people who are out of market. I'll even take that one, but the NBA TV one and then these, you know, early preseason games, come on. And they got to make it easier for if for the diehards to follow their league. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, what are we talking about here? With the people who who keep the NBA's bread buttered year after year, season after season, these are the people who are actually making 
you know, things go in the NBA. It's not the casual fan that's watching these preseason games and they're going to hold these, these, these market rights over people's heads. I mean, come on. They gotta get the, get your act together, NBA. And I'm chomping at the bit. I'm chomping at the bit, and I've already complained about it a ton. I complained about it on the post game show. I complained about it when I covered Celtics beat for Larry H. Russell. So we're gonna complete the trifecta, three different shows, and then I'm gonna shut up about it. I promise. Plus, I'll actually be able to watch the Nets game, so I'll, I'll finally be able to watch this team play. And you know how excited I've been for Jalen Brown and Al Horford. So. You know, this is this is important to me. I really want to see this, but I will shut up about it after this. But I will say, you know, it is it is it is weird. They do need to make it easier. And I almost think and I got I have to get my facts straight on this one. But I almost think that some of the international um, subscribers to League Pass do get to watch some of those games. So I'm not sure exactly how that all lines up. I know the, the international version's a little bit more different than the local, you know, stateside version, but at the end of the day, to your point, if the diehards don't live in the market, you gotta make it available. I mean, it's not like they don't buy the merchandise. It's not right. a local advertising market. The Celtics brand is global. And the NBA knows that. So they need to react to that. They need to respond to that. They, they've created this league for a thirst internationally, nationally, for teams all across the world. You create this tool so you can watch it everywhere in the world. And, and yet it's, seems like it's more headaches than it's worth in a lot of cases. Uh, unfortunately, it's the only way you can, you, you know, where you're living, Justin, that you can watch most of these games. So, it's a, it's not a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. It's, it's really damned if you do buy it and you hope that you don't get stuck with, uh, you know, games that will, you know, leave you high and dry. And you hope that they're on national TV so you can as much as possible so you don't have to, I guess, guess and hope that perhaps the league has actually figured out how league pass should work this week. It's, it's a foolish situation. They've got to get it straightened out. Yeah, they definitely do. I think the best solution is for me to get a Kickstarter account going and then we'll employ some lobbyists in Washington to be able to take <laughs> care of it. And here's the other thing. The regular season is going to start in early November and I am so excited for it for two reasons. One, I'm ready to watch this team hit the floor for some games that count. Um, or I'm really just ready to watch the team play, but, um, I'm ready for them to really take what they did last season and leap off of that. I know the loss of Evan Turner is we're going to figure out how that that gets replaced. But there's another reason, and that's because this stupid election will be over. And I have to throw just a quick apology to all of the listeners of the show. We got some angry tweets because this is a sports talk show. It's not a and political talk so. show. Rightfully and so. uh, we did get hammered with uh, some some Twitter Followers, actually some people threatening to stop following the show because a Donald Trump ad led off one of our shows. But it wasn't just us. It was uh, many of the shows on CLNS radio, a lot of them from uh, syndicated by Blog Talk Radio. And essentially the ad was not tagged properly and found its way into sports media. But then you have to wonder if there isn't just a little bit of a little bit of political hijinks going on there behind the scenes where somebody maybe uh, snuck one in behind the curtain, so to speak, John. Snuck one past the goalie. Um, five hole. Five hole. Different, 
different connotation maybe uh yeah five hole especially given the the video leak from last week that's a that's certainly an interesting way to go with a five hole um reference but anyway um (laughs) (laughs) working blue um listen no you know look we understand folks this is you don't come here for for you know, politics, we may joke around about, you know, kind of tangentially about these things, about, you know, politics and whatever. But but certainly that's not the theme of our show. We're not interested in having political ads on the show. We apologize for that. Uh, we appreciate your patience in dealing with that. Certainly, you know, we all have political opinions. I try to keep those and use those in other areas. Um, but Thank you for sticking with us, at least. And you know, and now let's. T- I want to talk about the wall. I want to build. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, there is Canada. a wall. That's I want to built. block Canada. I, I am out of. You know, I I am definitely south of the border when it comes to being able to watch preseason games. There you go. I am blocked out, and I go. am paying for it. So there you go. Yes. <laughs> See, right? that's, that's, folks, that's what you call bringing around full circle. That's what full we did. Circle. We just brought it around full circle right there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Listen, if you want to follow the show, make sure you check us out on Twitter at CSL underscore tweet live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin, my co-host here at CSL underscore Duke and the entire CLNS radio network at CLNS radio, the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash CLNS fans. Don't forget to download the CLNS Radio app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Radio in your app marketplace. And then finally, the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash CLNS Radio with high definition, full length locker room interviews. And yes, it's back. The Garden Report with Jared Weiss, who I don't know if you checked it out, John, but on Celtics Beat, Larry's, Larry H. Russell's been taking a break for a couple of weeks. I covered this Sunday, had Jeff Clark from Celtics Blog and Bobby Manning from Celtics Blog uh, on to uh, to fill in some time and uh, give Larry H. Russell a little bit of a break, a little bit of a breather before things get underway. But the week before that, had a very good uh, uh, host, fill-in host with Jared Weiss, who had a really awesome interview with Marcus Smart on his shooting mechanics. And I know we haven't maybe 100% see that play out, but boy, that interview fed right into what you and I have been talking about, having a full, healthy offseason. I know we talked a little bit about it on the last show, but I guess I want to leap off of that and say to you, John, when are we going to see the shooting mechanics, the shooting form, really just light the world on fire with Marcus Smart? You're baiting me. You are absolutely baiting me right there. Oh yeah, <laughs> three for six. And I'm not uh, going to Rondo because I'm a huge fan of Marcus Smart. But you're right, I am baiting you. Yeah, this is this is so clear what's happening here, folks. Uh, I ho- I hope everyone's you know making note of of what's what's been done. Um, no, but look, I I do actually I think he's. I wouldn't say that his form has been you know his fixed, but. He shot, he was three for six on Saturday. He was four for eight on, uh, I think it was a Thursday night that they played. Um, he's, he's showing a nice kind of mid-range pull-up game. I'm not saying the guy is Evan Turner by his stretch, but I do think that, that there is, there is definitely a weapon. Uh, in, in his game now. He's showing some good playmaking, particularly on Saturday. There was some, some good stuff in the first half with, you know, kind of some, 
you know, pick roll stuff. I think that that he he has raised that aspect of his game. Is he going to be you know next level? No. Is he shooting a hell of a lot better than oh I don't know Jalen Brown? Yeah. Come on. Come on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Come at me now. <laughs> that that's some recency bias right there. You just recency you're just looking bias. at the most recent. You know you're just looking at the two for ten from game three against Charlotte on Saturday. But the truth is, Jalen has not shot that bad in the previous two games. So, And he hasn't had three years to work on it. So I'm just saying. Four for 11 from the field on Thursday. Because I wanted to go back and look this up. Four for 11, 21 minutes, 36%. But how much beyond the arc? It was two for five. Yeah, Lucky. 40%. 50% from the line, too, oh, by the way. So you can sit look, tight on that as long as he's getting to the free throw line. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, uh, you're nobody right. else really gets to the line. I mean, remember that's what we wanted Rondo to do. Absolutely. He is bringing a talent to the team that no. I mean, I know Isaiah Thomas can get to the line, but nobody else really gets to the line. Crowder was getting adept at that last season, right before the high ankle injury, but but really nobody was getting to the line. No, you're right. That no one was, and and they needed somebody who could actually put another team kind of on the first of all, put them in the bonus. Second, you know, first of all, I mean, we don't, you know, Isaiah can do that, but if he's the only guy doing it, and certainly the only guy in the second unit, you need somebody to fill that role. Now, if Rozier can do it, if you got Evan Turner doing it, I think Marcus Smart is going to be a guy who's going to be getting the should line. Be. He has all the uh, makeup for it. He absolutely does. He needs the people to respect that shot. Again, it's just kind of going back to the same area. The difference that between Jalen and Marcus at this point is that Jalen's speed and athleticism are, are forcing teams to, to, to really foul him. And Marcus isn't right now at this point, isn't able to get around his guy to, to get to the rim. Now, <laughs> with the James, exception of Jalen Brown in practice. I don't know if you saw Jay With the King's exception video. Jalen Brown in practice. That's right. That was exactly. pretty – he housed him, and he made sure everybody he knew. He did. He did. He went around – he, in fact, right after the video, he goes around and goes, starts talking. Hey, did you see what I just did, guys? You know, good for him. Um, no, you know, Smart's shot 50% from the field in, in, the, in the preseason, three games. Is a small sample size? Yeah, it's – I think it's probably less than no. It's probably less than thirty shots at this point. But hey, that's that's a good start. If he's shooting fifty from the field, um, that's something to build off of. I mean, frankly, if he stops taking three point, if he goes into the Evan Turner role where he takes three pointers sparingly and only when he's feeling up to it, but is otherwise using that space, kicking, dishing, hitting mid range jumpers. I think that's going to be sufficient for this team. I don't think he needs to be a 40% three-point shooter or 38% three-point shooter. I think if he's in the 35s range, if he's shooting right, you know, where he was his rookie year, that's more than this that second unit needs, especially with a Terry. If he can rookie. give us Russell Westbrook numbers, even you know, and and I, no, and I don't mean it. I don't. By that. He's not going to start, but I just mean if you look at Russell Westbrook's numbers, he doesn't shoot well from three. But he gets his points. He's productive. So even if, and I actually think Russell shot 28% from three-point land, but I can't remember right off the top of my head what he is career-wise. But even if if Marcus just shot a hair above 30%, but he was going to the line, one of the biggest things with him last year was he was settling for those three-point shots and not making them. I am fine 
with the Jimmy Butler, DeMar DeRozan, Russell Westbrook player who shoots the three at a low percentage but does it to get respect and then goes in and attacks the rim, generates offense. I'm fine with that. So if Marcus plays more aggressively, seems to be in control of the offense, which that's the other thing. He's way more comfortable with the ball in his hands initiating the offense, at least in this small sample size to start this season. There were some knocks on him with pick and roll last year. We felt like he needed to be more comfortable with that. He does seem more comfortable with that this year. So if the improvements to his shot mechanics help out a little bit and maybe the game's slow down for him and he's going to be more aggressive and more adept at, at handling the offense, then that's a great thing for him. And I'll take 30, 31% from three-point land, just not when that's the majority of the shots that you're taking. You can't be hovering around well, that number. I, I Yeah, I, I think he got a little bit of a bad rap in that case because I do think – they needed him to take those shots. I mean, it was it was a point where he's out there with with Evan Turner, and if he's not taking that shot, then then there no one's getting the shot off. I think our our, our good buddy Danger Cart uh, put some some numbers to this effect together. Could have been Sam Sheehan. I re- I remember talking with one of those guys about this extensively at the end of last year, where. Is he, is he shooting well? No, he's not. But but he, because of the makeup of that second unit, he was forced to take a lot of shots either at the end of shot clocks or it was the open shot and he had and he just missed open shots. Now is that good? Definitely not. But you're right. I mean, if he's if he's able to bring that percentage up a little bit or he's picking his spots a bit better, and I think even Evan Turner at the end of last year, I'm not he wasn't a great shooter, but he. Even in the playoffs, he was he was picking his spots and actually doing doing a, a decent job um, of shooting the three ball. And just so you know, while you were chatting, uh, I just looked up uh, Westbrook's numbers, and you couldn't have hit it closer if you if you tried. Thirty point two percent from three point range over his career. So, and what about last rec- year? It was twenty eight percent, wasn't it? Twenty nine point six. Twenty nine point six. Okay, it's not quite as bad as I thought, but no. yeah, it was pretty close. And I'm actually pretty proud of that because that was right off the yeah. top of my head. Yeah. I, I'd yeah. done some research on it because I wanted to understand, and it does relate to Jalen Brown, but I wanted to understand the value of the three point shot. There's just so much emphasis on it, and you can remember the reaction to the Jalen Brown selection. And a lot of that was fueled by the fact that he was not a good shooter in college. And so then I started thinking about what other players are fit, are fit that mold, but still very, still very productive for their teams. And DeMar DeRozan, Jimmy Butler and Russell Westbrook are, you know, the three that really come to mind. Although I would say Marcus Smart draws closer comparisons to Russell Westbrook in that way. And then maybe Jalen Brown is a little more DeMar DeRozan or Jimmy Butler, especially with the athleticism, athleticism and the, the, the way, the leaping ability to attack the basket. Marcus is kind of a bull to the basket. I mean, he's not going to jump out of the gym, but he's got some quick lateral motion. He's got, like we saw in the video against Jalen, he's got a way to get around players, but he's got the size, like the physical strength yeah. and stature. And that's what we saw him put against Porzingis last year, you know, and boxing him out and securing that rebound. There's some things that Jalen can do to cover, as everybody has said, three positions. 
uh, not Jalen, uh, Marcus Smart can do to cover like three positions. But um, but I don't as much, I just think that the team needs to be balanced. And one of the things that I spoke with Jeff Clark on Celtics beat this week was about how Al Horford brings a different kind of spacing. What you just described with Evan Turner and the position that that forced Marcus Smart into maybe taking shots when he didn't necessarily wanted to want to or the shot selection was always a question mark with him what what Al Horford's going to be able to do in terms of spacing the floor is i think that the perimeter players who did not shoot very well last season from three point land are going to have just a little bit of extra time versus i mean think about it when Sullinger and Amir Johnson were in the starting lineup together the front court was doing those back court players no favors when it came to giving them room to get off a three-point shot. Now, granted, Marcus missed plenty of wide-open threes with plenty of time as well, but I think a lot of times things were congested on the perimeter because they could be. And now Horford's going to change that. It's going to give players the ability to, I don't know, just maybe settle in a little bit, maybe that, that half a second, three-quarters of a second more time to get the shot off. I think it's going to make all the difference in the world. I think the other thing we have to talk about is Avery Bradley because he has just become such a taken-for-granted afterthought when Mm -hmm. we talk, right? Because we talk about Isaiah. We talk about Marcus Smart. We'll even talk about Terry Rozier. Look at how he's growing. And a lot of articles came out in the last week about Avery Bradley and the fact that he's focused on playmaking ability. And it was a week ago. John, that you and I talked about that and talked about who's the most likely to get traded and what are the best combinations. And really, Avery Bradley, we knocked him for not being as interchangeable as the other three because not being able to initiate the offense. And thinking back to the past when Doc did that whole experiment with putting that point guard, but the Cat's 25, he's still getting better. And as a matter of fact, he put his playmaking abilities on display just this week. He did. He looked very good. He looked, boy, you know, every time I count that guy out, I mean, I can remember us doing shows, you know, I want to say 2000, well, I guess it would be 2011, and we were about ready to throw the towel in on the guy. You know, we were, you know, <laughs> he I couldn't I just said make him a shooting dribble. guard and cut with a crap. Well, yeah, but, you know, he wasn't showing anything, though. It wasn't just that. He couldn't pass. He couldn't dribble. He, I mean, he was tenacious defender, but he couldn't, he couldn't get out there. And they needed him. They, you know, they lost Tony Allen at that point. They needed him. And he, there was nowhere. But, you know, he got an opportunity and, and he just, he kept knocking on that door. You know, when he couldn't get out there, defend, then he started making his shot. Now he's, now he's able to put the ball on the floor a little bit. Now he's able to make some decisions. I mean, the growth that guy has, I mean, it's remarkable because every time I've counted that guy out, he adds something to his game. You know, like I was ready to send him to the, send him packing. If he can become, add that playmaking piece, boy, I mean, the only thing he isn't then is six, seven. You know, there's yeah. not much you can do about that one. But, you know, that's no. the type of growth as, as a complete player uh, that, you know, he, you know you, you're about ready to give up. And then, boy, he comes back and brings that, ex- brings that extra ass, you know, facet to his game that he didn't have before. And now, 
boy, you know, he's, you know, he's, I won't say he's twice the player, but he's certainly, he's a much more valuable player in your, on your team. Are you ready to, you know, put, send him, send uh, Isaiah to the bench, um, first and, and bring Smart in and let those two sort of run the team? I don't think so, but it's great to have another guy who can handle the ball that maybe gives you, puts a little less pressure off Isaiah. Um, Certainly, you know, as we talked about, Horford pulls a little bit more off Isaiah in that playmaking sense. But I'm not sure that, uh, you know, that, that that isn't going to be just a huge benefit for this team. It just adds so much more to be able to have so many more guys to be able to have the ball in their hands and make good, quick decisions. Uh, that's I, I'm I'm excited to see how far. Our guy, Avery Bradley, I say our guy seven days after ripping him, our guy, Avery Bradley, can take this thing. <laughs> well, I think a lot of it, too, is we were seeing these little nuanced subtleties like Al Horford, instead of passing, uh, you know, the outlet pass to start the break, he's dribbling it up, which allows the wing players like Bradley to go fill the lanes. And I, I remember that 2011 conversation because it was sort of like, where did the backdoor cuts go? There was this time when Rajon Rondo would just hit Avery Bradley on backdoor cuts like crazy, and mm-hmm. Avery would come underneath and then just put a reverse layup, and away they would go. And that was also right around the time that he had that monster block on Dwayne Wade as well and met him at the rim and denied. So there's so always great. been flashes, as you mentioned, on the defensive end, but it did seem like his offense – regress there for a little bit of a little bit of time um so i expect him to stay in that starting lineup but we just took it for granted that he would be traded it's hard to imagine i know we talked a little bit about it last week about maybe isaiah thomas is the one that's the most likely to get traded but i just think the depth maybe we can carry four guards maybe we'll talk about that in just a second but first we're going to talk to you a little bit about fan essentials one of our sponsors uh, basically, how would you like to get all of your favorite NBA team's merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep? You just go over to fanessentials.net, pick your favorite sports team, and then every month they're going to get team gear shipped right to your door. And they find that sports gear so you don't have to. And each one of these fan boxes comes fully packed with some amazing gear. It's a great gift idea for any sports fan with prices just starting at thirty-four ninety-nine. Also, you can support our show, Celtic Stuff Live, and we'll help you back by saving you 30% on your first month of your subscription. Just use promo code CSL2016 at the checkout. Go to fanessentials.net to get all of the essentials you need. And a reminder, Celtic Stuff Live is giving away one free month each week to our listeners. That's right, you can get free Celtics gear, and all you have to do is retweet our show announcement with the hashtag fanessentials. And I make it really easy because I retweet it with the hashtag fanessentials. So all you have to do is retweet my retweet. That sounds kind of funky. Make sure <laughs> you're following at CSL underscore tweet live so that we can send you a direct message and then we will announce the winner or contact you by direct message every week. John, is it really a bad thing to carry four guards on this club? We know injuries sometimes rear their ugly heads. Demetrius Jackson, sure, we, we have we have some hopes for him. Uh, and even if you had to, you could probably move Jalen Brown to the two here and there. But ultimately, I don't think it's a bad thing to have four guards, especially 
because of the fact that Brad Stevens loves those small lineups. In which case, four guards does not mean that one of them is not playing. Yeah, no, I think you're, I think there's some truth to that. I think that you can absolutely do, you can play four guards a fair amount. You can go small. You can, as we saw this week, we can see Jalen Brown at the four and, and really, really go small. I don't think Brad Stevens is afraid of that. I think the question there is really about asset allocation on your roster and trying to balance out your team a little bit better. We're so strong in the backcourt. I mean, as we talked about last week, probably the deepest backcourt in the league, I think. Um, meanwhile, your front court outside of Al Horford, well, not as, not quite as deep, you know? So that's, that's the issue to me. And that's why, you know, I think Bull Pett mentioned it and a bit in his, his piece from Sunday. There's still a trade to be made there with Philly. The problem is who wants to look at that trade going against them for years and years and years to come? You know, I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's Brooklyn picks, if it's. Let's give him RJ Hunter for Noel, right? I mean, you know, anything's (laughs) on the table. Well, you know, I wonder, (laughs) I'll tell you, I wonder how much is Noel, you know, is, is Noel and, and Olenek a good fit? I don't know. And they kind of are. But I also because think that Olinick is a trade candidate. You could package Olinick in one of right. these young guards and actually make a substantial improvement. Not for Noel. Maybe you swing the fences a little bit bigger than that. We know, in, with the exception of the Philadelphia 76ers, every other team in the league, if they're going to bring send in a front court player who fits the style that the NBA is going to these days, they're gonna want a, they're gonna want another front court player back, and the fortunate thing about Kelly Olynyk is he's an excellent three point shooter. He's an average, slightly below average team defender, definitely below average one on one defender. But he's got six man power forward, hot shooting beyond the arc, playmaking um, power forward written all over him. I think a team that is looking for some guard depth or maybe, you know, maybe they want to get a little bit younger. There might be a trade there too. It's sort of underrated. I don't think we talked about, this is another topic on Celtics beat, but, you know, you mentioned Olenek. I think he'd be, you know, for the future, nice matchup with Noel because Noel brings all that defense and none of the shooting and Olenek brings all the shooting. And as a team defender, he's adequate. If you had somebody who could really protect the rim in there, it would hide and mask a lot of his deficiencies. Absolutely. So you could put him put him next to Embiid, and you know you're you're you've got that spacing you need. You've got I mean, there's a lot that you can put on the floor. You can put you can have uh, a guy like Ben Simmons out there next to him. I mean, it really kind of helps helps that team kind of get the space. Wait, maybe I need. misunderstood what you were saying. Then are what? you saying send Olenek to the, the Sixers for Noel? They both have to get paid. So I would see. we rather pay them or, or, you know, would we rather pay Noel and put him next to Horford or would we rather pay Olenek and put him next to Horford? I'm thinking right now. Yeah, see, I thought you were thinking in the future, trading one no. of the guards for Noel. Oh, and no, no, then no, looking no. at Olenek and Noel well, as, as sort of the power forward center combo 
as the Al Horford, Amir Johnson ages. No, I definitely hear what you're saying. Horford spaces the floor, continues to play power forward like he would prefer, and Noel brings a younger, more athletic version of Amir Johnson in terms of what's what he's able to contribute on the floor. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's absolutely... You know, I, I think that's absolutely in, in in the realm of possibility to to do something like that. Would you throw People, in an R.J. Hunter then, or do you think yes. you think something's like an R.J. Hunter or a James Young, whichever guard gets would be on the chopping block anyway, gets yeah. packaged with Olenek and Noel comes back? I would. I would too. I don't know. I don't I know if Philly would do James that. Young I mean, and R.J. Hunter have kind of run their course here. Although James has shown some aggressiveness, and then right when I was writing off R.J. Hunter, he he has a decent night. So did Tyler Zeller. We'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, I think I would do that too. Um, but there's just something about Kelly Olynyk shooting that's so rare for this club. Right. Even though Horford brings what he brings, you know, there's there's a lot of people salivating for the Horford Olynyk. Power forward center combo. They are, and I and I and I understand that. I, I guess. The how Horford, does that impact me, a how does that impact a rotation with Jalen Brown? Because well, that's, that's that's exactly where I was going to go. Go ahead, though. Good. No, I, I, hey, I opened the door. Though. Definitely go there. That's that's all. I'm, that's really the the hypothetical question is when we want players to be able to attack and create space, losing. You know, shooters in the front court definitely doesn't help. It's going to clog things up more. Exactly. I mean, you can't have a situation where you have everybody kind of the clogs, the, the paint's clogged, and you know, so you've got to find people who can can space things out. I think I think that Jalen will be able to add that shot. He will be able to become somebody who who you know opens things up a bit better. As he progresses as a as a player, but for right now, next two, three, four years, you need to be able to give him that space. And you know, putting him next to a guy like Noel doesn't necessarily help. But you know, you look at some of the other pieces. You know, I just the thing that I would say about Jalen Brown personally, and, and you know how I feel about him. I'm not sure he's a guy you build the rest of the team around what his what his skill set is, and I'm not sure that's necessarily what you're what you're suggesting. But in, in a general, well, no, sense, you can put him at power forward then, and go in the small athletic lineup and have Crowder slash Brown at the three four and throw mm-hmm. Noel slash Horford at the five, depending on if we're talking about rotation or how the substitution patterns are working. But I think over time, I. That's where that experiment with Brown at the four or out there with Crowder is becoming more and more evident. It just makes so much sense because when you do that, you alleviate so much of the shooting pressure off of Jalen Brown and you put him in a position where he can defensively, you're not really losing a ton because he's so rangy. Um, he's made definitely some mistakes in terms of, 
you know, everything that I've read, again, I can't watch the games. I can't wait till Thursday night. And I am going to be doing the post-game show on CLNS Radio after the Nets game, so just a heads up there. And then the next morning, I guess maybe a couple of programming announcements, the next morning we are going to rebroadcast an interview that we did with Earl Lloyd back in March of 2009, an interview that was set up courtesy Mark Spears, and we hope to have uh, Mark on here towards, he's traveling for a couple of weeks, we hope to have him on as our guest interview, hopefully the following week, but if not that, uh, if not the following week, then the week after that, we'll, we'll have Mark on the show as well, uh, just a great friend of the show, but the Earl Lloyd interview is just awesome, and you know, really, he's one of three players in basketball that sort of can take that Jackie Robinson claim for being the first black player to play in the NBA where Jackie was so clear cut breaking the, the um, you know, breaking the barrier Earl Lloyd and, and two other individuals all sort of have their own claim to fame for the very same season uh, being the first black player to play in the right. NBA. But er, that interview with Earl Lloyd, I got to listen to the whole thing, John, it was mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic, and I still feel indebted to Mark Spears for that to this day. Oh, totally. I mean, that would never would have happened had 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 Mark not put us together um, for that that evening, and, and and it was a great opportunity. As I said, you know, when we were talking about this earlier a couple weeks back. It was a great opportunity to really, you know, you get we talk about the details of rotations and who's fitting with who. And, it just it kind of just pulls the whole thing back, and you take the thousand foot view of what it is and what sport is and all of that. So, um, I hope you get hope anyone can get a chance to listen to that. I think I think you'll really find it worth your while. I know there's a lot of people who are going to be starting to do the season previews and all that, and I get that. But as a as a as something that to cleanse the palate and really give you maybe something to make you feel a little bit better about the progress we're making as a country. Again, not necessarily a political statement there, but uh, I think that, uh, you know, the world that, that Earl Lloyd was working with in, in the early 50s, uh, integrating the NBA, Chuck, uh, you know, Chuck Cooper and Sweetwater Clifton, really kind of changing the Nice pull. I had Chuck Cooper in my head, but I couldn't remember the third. <laughs> Thanks for pulling Sweetwater well, out. Well, that's good. Well, and, and of course, Chuck Cooper was uh, the uh, the first uh, African-American to be drafted by an NBA team. By who, folks? That's right. You're Boston Celtics. So, you know, there's there was a lot there. But but Earl's Earl's story in particular really stands out. And, and I think you'll you'll really appreciate that. So um, really a highly recommended uh, listen from from our quarter to you to check out that that upcoming interview from from way back in the day. Yeah, we've done some nice pro- productions, I think, in the off season as Celtic Stuff Live has come back, maybe to help people get familiar with the show who are new and and maybe didn't listen to us before we took our break. But we did uh, a flashback series leading up to the draft. And, uh, you know, we did a number of, uh, reproductions. Then we did this off-season interview series. And, and the Earl Lloyd is sort of a combination of, of the two. There's, there's this off-season interview series combined with the flashback series. It's a great way to, to wrap up sort of a look back or off the beaten path before we get into the regular season and things really heat up. John and I are going to be back. We're going to wrap up the show. We're going to talk about some of the fringe players like Tyler Zeller, RJ Hunter, James Young, and sort of that end of the bench, how we see that 
playing out and in the next couple of games you can guarantee there's going to be a transition from giving them their opportunity to letting the starters play an increased load of minutes and really establish themselves before the regular season gets underway. So we're going to be right back with all of that after a word from our newest sponsor, Audible.com. All right, we're back, John, and yeah, I think we're getting to the point pretty soon. Next, maybe by next, by mid, the middle of next week, it'll be pretty clear that we're at the point where the starters and the rotation is, or at least the rotation that Brad's going to roll with in the early part of the season is going to begin to emerge. And maybe the very last game of preseason, the youngsters are going to get one last shot if there's some question marks. But right now, I think one of the nice things that Brad's done is he's begun to not necessarily make wholesale substitutions. Here's the first team, and then they all come out in a chunk. Here's the second team. I think that does have to get worked out. Rotations were a little clunky to start last season. This year, probably not going to be as clunky just because not as much roster change. The front court's established, and Al Horford is a damn all-star. So that's going to help a ton. But the way that the rotations or the way the substitution patterns are laying out, we do need to see these players be able to intermingle. So Brad's figuring that out while he figures out some of the end of the bench guys. Some of these players are going to make the team, but they're not going to be in the rotation. Let's talk about Tyler Zeller because I would say through the first two games and when you and I talked last week, really seemed like Tyler Zeller was going to be on the outside of that rotation, but he did bounce back in the third game, the second in a row against Charlotte with a decent performance and probably because Aaron Ava down in Florida, a good loyal listener, <laughs> gave us a hard time for cranking on him. And literally we cranked on Hunter and Zeller. And then in the very next game after that show, we wind up seeing both players sort of step it up a little bit and said, I am not going to uh I'm not gonna I'm not gonna roll over on this one. We've got some fight in us and and then they put it out on the floor. That's no it's great. And and I and there's there is no one I don't even think Tyler Zeller's mother is as big a fan of Tyler Zeller as, as our good friend Aaron is. So, um, you know, hey, <laughs> big ups to Aaron uh, for sure. He was in a perfect scenario to run the floor. He, they were finding him left and right, and he was converting. He was doing all the stuff that he did two years ago, you know, where he would you – know, he first of all, he's getting out on the break – they're finding him in that, in the, find him in pick and roll opportunities in the half court. And he's got great hands. The dude knows how to finish. And you can't, you really can't argue with that defensively. Imagine if he had just a little more muscle on him, because I think that that is part of the issue, don't you? I, well, I think it's, I think he doesn't have great length in terms of his, you know, I, you know his, his the standing, standing reach so and hot. all those. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a bit, a little bit alligator army. Um, I thought so you were going to say T-Rex, but we'll go with alligator. Well, we were, yeah. Okay. All Reptilian. right. Reptilian. Yeah. Reptilian. Reptilian. There you go. All right. Uh, he's cold blooded. Uh, so, <laughs> but. <laughs> I don't know. There you don't go. Know. No, was, you 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 were you were swung for the fences there. You tried to expand so, that one. I was trying. I was you know what? You can't you can't fault a guy for trying. That's all That's I right. will say. You deserve hey, props you, for putting it out there. You know, sometimes you don't know how it's going to sound till it rolls off your tongue. Right. Exactly. You know, you you, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. You know what I'm saying? Amen. 
That's 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 you gotta you gotta try. Anyway, so going back to our guy Zeller, or excuse me, Aaron's guy Zeller. Uh, <laughs> I think he's <laughs> right. I mean, come on, he's right? definitely Aaron's guy Zeller. There's no doubt. There is no doubt about it. And uh, if anyone's he's Godzilla, to... right? Isn't that what he's... we said? He's Godzilla. Oh, Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. So there's the reptilian <laughs> connection again. It just keeps coming go. back. Boom. Short arms. He's ferocious on the on the in the in the you know kind of up and down game. Find the big man running, but you know not the shot blocker. That's okay. That's okay. I, I think position wise he's doing fine. It's just who do you play him with? I think that's I think that's his biggest issue honestly on the team is who is who covers up for him defensively, but allows him to you know he he's not. You know, he's a 15-18 sometimes with the shot. It's not very reliable. I think if you put him next to a guy like you know, maybe Amir or maybe like a, a Noel who, I was who have why that. why not Horford? Well, the problem – see, the problem is, is are you gonna, who is Horford going to match up against? You know what I'm saying? Like – that's where because the league has gone so small, a six ten power forward who really plays center most of the time is like too big. You you can't you almost can't even do that anymore. You, I mean, you're right in a traditional sense that that's absolutely a, a reasonable lineup: the six ten power forward, the seven foot center, and you know he, he's not the rim protector Horford is. No, but, but they're athletic, and Horford can start the break so. Finding yeah. Zeller, you know, out ahead of it is totally within Horford's realm. And, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I think maybe there's a little bit of a drop off defensively, but I still think Horford yeah. can, can make up for that. It may not be Horford's preference. Well, I, you know, and I, and I heard that and I, I think people, a lot of people asked him about that, you know, when he, when he signed there, who would you, where would you rather play? And I th- he, you know, he, he gave the, the very political answer of, you know, I'll play wherever coach wants me to play. Like he thought that was overblown, that he didn't want to play center at all. And certainly the league has changed. And I think that's what changed his opinion of it is because the center position in 2017 is going to be a whole lot different than the, than the center position was when he entered the league even in 2007 when he's going against Kendrick Perkins, you know, four times a year. So I think that, I think that that's, that's changed a bit, but I, the way that, the way that Stevens likes to play and the way that, that the Celtics play in particular and the way the league's going, having Zeller next to another substantial big doesn't have the value it once did. Maybe against big lineups, like if you're going to, let's say you're playing Memphis, I think that's a great lineup to go through. I think he, Zeller is in the rotation in that scenario. But maybe you want to go small and you want to pull, you know, pull a guy like Zach Randolph from the hoop. I think you I mean, just it, hit that's it. That's the counter, you know? I think you just hit it. If you're going to play Zeller, why not just go small with the athleticism that's on this club and the passing that they all have? And you don't really, you're not going to have the defensive drop off. So in that case, why not just go small? You have the depth for it. If you didn't have the depth for it, it would be a no-brainer. But if you have if you have the players on the club to go small like that, why not just go small instead? Exactly. And you know, just just adding a little bit to that, that just gives more room for your your guy Jalen Brown, right? 
Well, that's, you know, that's really the <laughs> ulterior motive in every point that I, I see what you're doing there. You set me up just as much as I go to you earlier. But you know what? You talk about the center's position changing. This is how we know Zeller's contract is perfectly tradable. It's a nice addition. The team that's taking him isn't necessarily getting this Theo Ratliff contract to balance it out. You're still getting a younger player with plenty of time to develop and plenty of skills. He can definitely contribute and add something to the club, even if it, even if his role in the Celtics is going to just diminish by virtue of, you know, the composition of the players and the style of play that for Brad Stevens. But, you know, I think Zizic is lighting it up. Is it the Adriatic League? Do I have that yeah. right? Yep. And then yep. Adriatic League. Yeah. And then Yevaselli had a nice performance against the Rockets, and I, I, both players are young and obviously need some time, and they were drafted to, to stash. But front court depth is something that this team is still going to need. You know, regardless of whatever they do with Tyler Zeller, you know, sometimes you have the depth, but the fit isn't there. But those two players are trying to develop overseas. You know, if they can sort out this guard rotation, if they can sort it out, I mean, one of those guys has to be on this club next year. And I know we're not going to listen. It doesn't impact this season's team, so we can't get crazy with it. But neither player is will just drop off the radar like Colton Iverson, right? These guys are staying front and center with the play that they've had in their respective leagues since they were drafted and only Yavaselli got a chance to play in summer league. And and shout out to to my guy Ryan, uh, well Hebert in in New Hampshire from New Hampshire, who is the the biggest the world's biggest Yabu fan that exists. Um, we're, we're shouting out all the big Twitter folks that love love. Uh, I'll call fringe Celtics in some way. Fringe Celtics, uh, because Yabu, yeah, right? Yabu, uh, that kid. I'm telling you, I, I really think he could be a player. That's the type of player. See, that's why, that's, that's where the league is going. That's why Tyler Zeller can't, can't get the minutes for whatever reasons, because there's guys like Yabu who are around the corner and he's not at Tyler Zeller. He can't do the things Tyler Zeller can do. He's not, he's not able to, to run the floor and, and be a competent, you know, you know, He's not at that level. He can't do a lot of things decently. But but the potential and the shooting and the and the quickness of his quick feet and all this, you can't you know, you don't have you know, it's like Draymond Green. You have the ability, you have the luxury of having the speed and the and the versatility while also the, the bulk and the size. And in the package of Tyler Zeller, you don't have that. You know, you've got to pick or choose. And, and that's what teams are doing is they don't want to choose. They want Draymond Green and they want him now. Unfortunately, there's only one of them until Yabu comes on the scene. Well, he's definitely got that mold. He's a big, like, big, big boned. Right. And I think they even said he dropped his, I want to say his percent body fat from like nine to six. Mm. And he's still that size. I mean, he's just structurally a tree. But he's got some really incredible athleticism, and he's got leaping ability for a guy that size. I think that's one of the biggest concerns with a player who's carrying weight like that. You know, it's it's not because, you know, they're not conditioned. You know, somebody like Jared Sullinger carried weight from a lack of conditioning. But I think and, – and some of it's body type too. But you look at Yabaselli, usually with that body type – 
you're not an incredible leaper. And he definitely can get up and finish at the rim. I mean, there's some thunderous dunks where he's swinging on the rim. You're just expecting it. Like in the old days, it would have brought the glass down, you know. It would have been backboard breaking. And so it's interesting to to see a player like that play and be able to finish so athletically. You have to think that there's a place, even if it is off the bench, maybe he's not the next you know, green, but he definitely could be a very solid role player slash, you know, top three rotation player in the in the Celtics, you know, four or five, especially because he does play small. So then Brad gets that small athletic lineup without actually going small because when it's time to box out, he's got the girth to, to keep his man off the block. And that's that's a that's a I think a lot of it is about this team's composition and finding complementary pieces. And you know that there's going to be an issue with two players when they have a very similar skill set. And I guess, you know, James Young, and we're going to finish on this topic, but James Young and R.J. Hunter don't necessarily have the same skill set, but in some ways they do. They're both, both came into the league as a, sharp shooting, three-point percentage type player. And I think R.J. Hunter was recognized at having more playmaking ability, but James Young had probably the more athletic gifts and the size and the range. But neither player has displayed confidence. And James Young all of a sudden does through the first two games. And then R.J. Hunter says, no, I'm not going to let you forget about me. But I think the biggest thing in game three, and the, like I said, the second one in a row against the Hornets, was the five assists for R.J. Hunter. That is going to help him more than anything because it says that he's understanding the game. He's contributing more than just being a sharpshooter. Because being a sharpshooter who can't shoot then what else do you do on the court to boost your confidence? And, you know, that's been sort of the Twitter knock on him. I I can't remember who posted the tweets, but it got retweeted like crazy over about two days. The league, the fan base, Celtics fan base is starting to realize that R.J. Hunter is a shooter who can't shoot. And I think when he contributes in other areas, it's going to help him build his confidence. I still think I'm going to go surprise of of the preseason. James Young doesn't get cut. And R.J. Hunter's the one to go either, like, in a trade, like you mentioned with the 76ers, or I highly doubt anybody gets cut. They're going to get moved. Danny hates to give away something for nothing. But I think I think R.J.'s actually going to be the, the odd man out. I think I think you're probably right. I mean, until, you know, his, his outburst here uh, on Saturday where, you know, he played a bit better. But I, I think that you're right. I mean, James Young actually showed showed some things here in the at least in the first first three first two games I guess less so here on Saturday but but even then he, he was he was part of the team he was putting the ball on the floor he was finding his way to the rim we're starting to see what a what a successful James Young NBA career looks like which is decent you know he was he was in his lanes getting some rebounds doing some hustle things um all good stuff. Trying to finish, you know, finish at the rim, uh, you know, hitting really tough shots with the left hand, uh, you know, as as he goes to the bucket, it's not hitting, you know, hitting some shots from range, not you know, an over over overabundance of that. 
But that's, you know, that's, and that's what he needs to do. I think Jordan Mickey also needs to be concerned. Uh, I know he had a great game Saturday, so I, I'm not, you know. It was like all the guys who thought they were going to get cut wound up coming out of the woodwork in that game right. and trying to save their lives. They had to, you know, because Mickey really, through those first two games, really hadn't shown much. Uh, so he really needed, he needed a big game. And, you know, 16 and, and, and 6 is, is, is a certainly, uh, a heck of a way to do that. Uh, but, uh, you know, that he needs to do that. He, to me, he, Hunter and Young really, those three guys really need to be, um, you know, keeping, <laughs> keeping themselves sharp because I don't think that Brad Stevens would, would be afraid to cut any of them, but certainly Danny Ainge will. He wants to trade. He wants to move, you know, move those players. Uh, it sure would be nice to be able to use one or two or, or maybe all three even in a package to, to consolidate some talent, but you know, that's, Everybody a difficult would do task. That. That's, yeah, yeah, that's the absolutely. hardest thing. And, and teams are sort of solidified. This is a real difficult time of the year to make a deal other than one player outgoing, maybe for cash consideration, second round pick, trade exception. That's typically how that gets done. And that is exactly what Danny is likely to do with one of those said three players. And we're going to be back. That's going to do it for this week, but we're going to be back next Sunday. We'll have a couple of games under our belt and John and I will continue to pontificate until Danny does make a move as to who is going to be the cut. Really, I think that's the biggest storyline until we get into the regular season and begin to watch the, the starters and then the early substitution patterns and how that evolves. But we're not going to see a lot of, we're not going to be able to figure out a lot of that till the very end of preseason. So Thursday's game is against the New Jersey Nets, I mean the Brooklyn Nets. Ah, look at that little throwback wow. against the Brooklyn Nets. I caught it. I caught it. It came out, but you know, it was like Beetlejuice. And <laughs> I will tell you, they're my second favorite team, except, you know, they're the antithesis because I just, I'm going to love watching them lose. So love to see some games against the Nets. I like it when it matters and the, and the Celtics win and they better not give up a joker or a stinker of one around the holidays again this year. That better be a nice clean sweep as we look to, uh, maybe a guy like Josh Jackson in the, in the draft next year. But that's Thursday. Make sure you go to clnsradio.com and join us for the post game show. Then Saturday against the Knicks in New York. And then John and I will be back Monday morning prior to another matchup against the Nets. That night, stay tuned. It'll be probably Friday morning. We will post the uh, interview with Earl Lloyd. It's really a camp mess. And just want to thank everybody for listening this week. A reminder that the broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as CLNSRadio.com. Make sure you're following John and I on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. The show's Twitter handle at CSL underscore Tweet Live. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. And a reminder, you can support the show by subscribing to CSL on iTunes and Stitcher. But please give us a rating and a review so that we get some feedback from you and you help promote the show and push us up those iTunes rankings a little bit. There's a lot of fierce competition, including one in our one in, uh, or our 
our same CLNS radio network buddy, Larry H. Russell. You know, I'd like to give him a little run for his money. I don't know about you, John. Friendly competition, but, you know, let's push up those rankings. And then a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Audible.com and FanEssentials.net. They've got great deals for all of you listeners, but most importantly, you'd be supporting Celtic Stuff Live and the entire CLNS radio network. So, Thanks to the audience who makes it all worthwhile. And for staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.